Welcome to Real Review. My name is Zoe, and this episode is a bit different than the normal reels. I'm not reviewing a new movie in theaters this time. I took a trip down memory lane with my husband Sam to unpack probably one of the best animated trilogies ever made. And we had such a great conversation about the characters and themes in the movies that this is split into two parts. This is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one, go do that real quick and then come back for the conclusion to this conversation. And please, let me know what other movies we should review. As much as we love the characters and the franchise and the stories that they tell within the setting and the world building, it's got to end at some point. You know, we have to let it go. We have to take the lessons we've learned and move on to later, greater things, just like Hiccup did. We we all have to do the same thing. Exactly. And I think... Uh, before we move on, are there any other characters that you'd want to just kind of spend a little time on examining? Other than we've, we've talked about Astrid, we talked about Hiccup. I feel like maybe Stoic and the mom may be worth discussing. I'll talk about Stoic because Hiccup's mom is a little bit of a static character. She's, But that's okay. She needs to be. Stoic. Stoic is a lot like my father. And so I very much understand his path of growth. Stoic was raised in a different environment than Hiccup was. Stoic didn't struggle with self-acceptance. He always knew that he was going to be a great chief. He was going to be a big burly Viking. And well, that's what he did. You know, he, he never stopped to question himself. So he has he doesn't relate at all to what Hiccup's going through because he he didn't he didn't go through that and so Stoic isn't the best father for Hiccup not out of malice but out of ignorance you know and it doesn't help that the two don't communicate very well because they don't know how because they're ignorant and so they their relationship struggles and it suffers until Stoic finally realizes that his son was right his son says don't go there. It's nothing like you've ever seen. Don't go to the nest. You don't stand a chance. And Stoic ignores him. And the first thing that happens when the when the queen of the dragons erupts from the mountainside is Odin. He says, "Odin, help us." And in the next clip, he's shaking his head, frustrated, and says, "I was a fool." And this is coming right off the cuff of having the last words he'd said to his son were, you're not a Viking, you're not my son. And Hiccup didn't convince him. Reality convinced him. And I think that's the most real thing I've ever seen in film as far as a parent changing their mind is the parent's not going to listen to their kid. But reality smacked him across the face. And thankfully, he was wise enough to accept it and admit that he'd made a mistake. And so when Hiccup shows up again, he stops him before he goes off to fight the dragon. He says, I'm proud to call you my son. Because at that point, Stoic accepts who Hiccup is. And finalizes his development as a character through that story. And then we get to the second film, and Stoic doesn't have an arc here. 
but he doesn't need one because Stoic is Stoic now. He's the father Hiccup needs. He's this great man. Hiccup looks up to him like most sons do to their fathers. And ironically enough, Stoic sees something in Hiccup that Hiccup does not see himself. Stoic thinks Hiccup's ready. Stoic wants to give it to Hiccup. And you know, even if Hiccup isn't ready, he'll learn. Just like he did. You know? Stoic is more confident in Hiccup than Hiccup is in Hiccup. And Stoic goes about it in his Stoic way, which isn't the most helpful. And sure, it probably comes off a little bit sudden and pushy because that's just how Stoic is. But Hiccup wasn't able to accept that it was what he needed until he lost his father. And reality hit Hiccup in the face because we all know that us kids have a really hard time listening to our parents and it usually takes reality smacking us across the jaw for us to realize that we were wrong. And it's such a such a true relationship between a parent and a child. I don't think they could have written it any better, any more relatable because it's just it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel fantastical. It feels like something I would see in a close friend and their father, in myself and my father. So I uh I almost love Stoic more than Hiccup for that reason because Stoic is not just a a role model for me, but he was a role model for my father just as much as Hiccup was a role model to me. Yeah, like you said, this movie does a really good job at being so true to life and realistic while being set in a fantastical, right, grand, epic, adventurous, classical, heroic tale. So it got dragons for crying out loud. You don't get more classic than that. And yet it maintains that relatability, that true to life aspect of it, which is why I think it makes it so, like we connect to it so much because of that. And those are some of the best stories when they're, you know, using mythological, adventurous, fictional, fantastical elements to convey real to life, true human experiences. Like that's why we tell stories the way that we do and why we connect with them so much. So you really uh, summarized and explained that really well. Um, So like you said, the mom, there's not much about the mom. She's cool. Um, I like her brief interactions with Stoic. Those are very wholesome and sweet. And like you said, a role model for a husband just selflessly loving his wife, like forgiving her, uh, even though she probably should have come home, if I'm being honest. I made a miscalculation when it came to Hiccup's mom, because I just remembered that they also wrote her character very well, and she's just as important in the second and third movie as Stoic was in the first and second movie, because Valka, Hiccup's mother, in the second movie, she's a lot like Stoic when Hiccup first meets her, just in a different way. She's similar to Hiccup in that she loves the dragons and has spent her time learning about the dragons, but she learned a very different lesson than Hiccup did because she wasn't there to see them change. She believed that Burke couldn't change. 
because she tried Mm -hmm. and failed and that's totally valid that's her experience that's why she never came back she wholeheartedly believed it was a hopeless endeavor and that she could do more good away than she could there and it took hiccup showing her the truth for her to come around you know she stayed away because she thought that hey hiccup was better off without her because she didn't fit in and she was like hiccup. Uh, she was like hiccup only she didn't have the benefit of drastic circumstance to sit in front of everyone around her to change their mind you know one person against the masses it's hard to be heard and then stoic arrives and completely blows her away and dismantles everything that she thought was true with his with his simple and wholehearted loving statement and even though the two of them are only together for what we might say is a sum of 30 minutes that they're reunited before stoic dies it changes Volka for the better and she steps in to the role of supporting hiccup as a parent as a mother once stoic is gone she becomes what Hiccup needs for the rest of the second movie. And then, in the third movie, she becomes what Hiccup needs in a different way. In that she becomes a sort of a, a guide for Astrid on how to be a proper partner, on how to be a supportive individual in a romantic relationship, and at the end of the day, how to be a good wife. And she encourages Astrid to talk to Hiccup, to communicate with him. And in that way, she helps foster what becomes the healthy, blossoming relationship between Hiccup and Astrid. So I revoke my earlier statement that she's a static character because she's not. I take that back. She's fantastic. We all love Valka. Snot loud a little bit too much. Yeah, I was surprised when you said that about her, but I was like, well, I mean, she doesn't get a ton of screen time, but all right. But I agree with you on everything that you said. And I think before we summarize this point on like characters, I do think that if we were to say a critical point about the movies is their villains, in my opinion, and maybe you and I are going to disagree on this, but in the first movie, the bad guy is like metaphorically the evil queen dragon that they defeat but really the antagonist is that conflict between Hiccup and his dad. And that is resolved after they defeat the big bad dragon, but there really isn't like a bad guy in the movie. They handle that conflict really well. It's very interpersonal related. In the second movie and the third movie, there is literally bad guys, but I find them personally to be very unrememberable. (laughs) I am going to make a case for the villain of the second film though I understand what you mean when it comes to the villain of the third film Drago Bloodfist is the bad guy of the second movie and is vital vital to Hiccup's development as a character because Hiccup the whole movie he hears about Drago Bloodfist he thinks he can change him and Stoic says some men can't change and when hiccup runs into his mother she says the same thing some men can't change and both of his parents try 
to warn him of the danger of his innocence and his naivety in thinking that everyone is capable of change. And Drago, the traumatized... Drago is what Hiccup could have been. At the end of the day, he lost his whole village to dragons, and he became hateful and bitter and stuck in his ways, unmoving, just much like Hiccup is. Now, Hiccup's stuck in his ways in a good way, but Drago is a, is a dark reflection of Hiccup. And no matter what good Hiccup tries to do, he can't change Drago, which is the reality he has to come to terms with in order to grow up understanding there are some evils that cannot be turned good and they have to be defeated and that's an important lesson for anyone to learn the third villain oh boy i don't even remember his name hold on let's look that's see that's how you know it's not rememberable like i know his face i know what he did grimmel the grizzly so grimmel okay our boy grimmel he's A more sophisticated version of Drago, he's uh, he's got the same bit where you know he's like, no, dragons and people can't live in coexistence, and it, it's it feels very samey, but in a different context, I think I kind of get what they were going for because he was right, just not in the way that he thought he was, because. He was there to prove that there were still people, regardless of the fact that Drago was gone, there were still people that would use the dragons for evil, that would harm the dragons. And he said, humans and dragons can't coexist. And Hiccup had to accept that on some level, Grimmel was right. Because they couldn't. Because of the lesson he learned in the second film, there are some people that can't change. There are some people that are going to do bad things for bad reasons and the best thing he could do was let the dragons go so they were no longer in harm's way despite the fact he wanted to keep his friendship with toothless and keep toothless close because he valued that friendship to protect him he had to move on and so grimmel's more interesting in that way potentially from from a from a certain point of view because he was the one villain that you could say Hiccup ended up agreeing with. Yeah, when you break it down like that and kind of jog my memory a little bit, I agree with you that the villains are very much necessary for Hiccup's development and for being mirrors to Hiccup, as is good screenwriting with a protagonist and antagonist. You know, the antagonist is usually in the way of what the protagonist wants, or they are presenting something to the protagonist that they need to overcome or reconcile with, right? It's that same thing with want versus need. And in the second movie, you know, you have, you start with all the dragons being in harmony with humans, they're coexisting, and the goal, the want, is for that to continue, for that to still exist. And in the third movie, you realize that as much as that life is beautiful and they fought to preserve it because it was a wonderful way of living, the reality check is that it can't be man it can't be maintained it is impossible and more dragons and people are going to die trying to preserve it as opposed to just letting it go which is a hard hard thing 
to reconcile with, which is why, you know, that's the whole focus of the third movie. And so I think when the second one and third one, they built upon each other, I think, in that way so that it leads you into that conclusion. And you mentioned how when... (laughs) Hiccup tries to talk to Stoic. It's not Hiccup that convinces Stoic. It's reality that convinces Stoic. Same with the mom, Valka, right? And I think same with Hiccup. It's not usually his parents that convince him. It's reality. And that's what we especially learn in that third movie is that reality isn't always what we would want or hope it to be. It just kind of is what it is, that there are bad forces in this world that we have to fight against and we have to protect from, and we have to know how to guard against it. We have to know that this is just how the world is, right? This is reality. And that is, that's a tough thing for, you know, that's something kids have to learn. That's something that we all have to, we have to have that reality slap. (laughs) In the first film, Hiccup learns to accept himself and to be himself. In the second film, he learns that he has to accept others for who they are, whether it be good or bad. And in the third film, he learns what he has to do in order to, like as a product of understanding how people are, he has to learn when he needs to let someone go. Every lesson builds into the next with those films, just like you said. And that's what makes it the best animated trilogy in history. I think we've made a very good argument for our bold claim. (laughs) And I think this is a great segue into why I fundamentally believe that kids' movies and kids' media need to have this kind of stuff in it that they need to have the tough themes, right? Like having characters like Hiccup and Astrid, you know, people that struggle with things, like they're, you know, who they are and accepting themselves. Like it's such a broad thing and yet it's also specific. And just having characters that are relatable that we can connect to but overcome things and are also not perfect. Uh, Stories that, you know, just deal with so many hard things like letting things go and having to accept that things are hard like we've talked about so much here in these quote-unquote kids movies that are stuff we as adults deal with and I think that's the kind of movies that kids should be watching because it helps them form their understanding of who heroes are who bad guys are, what the world is like. And even though it's got funny, cute dragons in it, it reflects a lot of our own human experiences. There's nothing wrong with entertaining a child, but you can't neglect their education. And a lot of times the best way to educate a kid is to entertain them. And there is such a lack of good role models in media these days as far as kids' movies are concerned. And kids are sponges. They absorb so much stuff that we don't even realize. And we need to make sure any children that we're exposing media to are absorbing helpful lessons, tools that they can use when they get older, that they can look back on like I did and realize how much they relate because that will help prepare them for the harsh reality of the world. We can't just put a screen in front of them and let them doom scroll through YouTube 
to keep them occupied because we don't want to deal with them because the reality is that's our next generation that's the people that we're passing the mantle on to and we want to make we should want to make sure that they have every tool they need to be able to not get crushed under the weight of responsibility by the time they're ready to venture out on their own and we have to let them go Amen. I completely agree with that. I think you summarized it way better than I could have. So thank you so much, Sam, for this conversation, getting to talk about movies that we love and the importance of them and good writing and good storytelling. And uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, I would appreciate it if you could tell me what movies you would like uh, to be discussed, to be reviewed, to deep dive into, whether it's a new movie coming out soon or if it's an old one that you've grown up with that you would just love exploring a bit more. I would love to hear from you. Any last parting thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I'd like to make a recommendation. <laughs> um, how about Godzilla Minus One? Yes, we are planning to go see that one. So hopefully you'll see a real review of that pretty soon. Uh, Thanks again for listening. The Real Review Podcast hosted by Zoe Moody is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network. You can listen to more Real FM Podcasts or Real FM Radio on the Real FM app or at real.fm.